in men showing up and being like, I want to know, I always want to know, like, how's this pressure, you know, being active sort of participants in helping, helping a woman to express herself even more, helping her to open up even more. I think that men are such a powerful part of the equation in terms of soliciting that, you know, from women and not just sort of expecting like women to just be able to, to do it themselves easily from the very beginning. Preach. One of my intentions for the new year is to incorporate more of you and your experiences into the podcast. So if you haven't yet heard, I have something called the Big Sexy Data Set, which is the conglomeration of all of my listeners and clients and anyone else who wants to be involved in my sex research. If you're interested in joining the Big Sexy Data Set, just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and say, add me to the Big Sexy Data Set. And every once in a while, it's going to be more frequent in 2021, I will send out a survey about something with respect to sex, dating, or relationships, and then I will craft an episode around that. I have a really cool idea for one coming up. So if you can, please join. I would love to have you. Again, just email me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com and just say, add me to the Big Sexy Dataset. All survey responses are kept anonymous and confidential. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Dear Men, fan favorite, Girl Girl Talk. Talk. Thanks for being here with me, ladies. Today, we are talking about masturbation. And I don't think we have the rights to the song, but I really want to have the little clip of when I think about you, I touch myself as like different intro music. Not sure. I'll check with my sound tech and see if we can do that, but I think it'd be fun. Anyways, we're going to start as we always do by going around and saying our name, rough age, relationship status, zero to 10. And what is one of your guilty pleasures will be our wild card question. So I will start My name is Mel. If you don't know that, you're very new to the podcast. Um, I'm in my late 30s, relationship status. Ooh, this is a good one. You know what? I'm going to go with three because I've really been like doing my manifestation practices and I'm like, I'm ready for my man to come in. So I'm like, I'm pulling him in. So I'm going to go with three. I feel he's on his way. And one of my guilty pleasures is teen drama shows. So like (laughs) the CW, for example, Riverdale, Nancy Drew, uh, shows that I a little bit know are beneath me, but I really enjoy kind of zoning out too. And, uh, also I just really like the bright colors. Like I think they do a really beautiful job of the cinematography Mm -hmm. in those shows and I will pass it to the next. This is Amber. I am in my late thirties. Uh, eight on the relationship scale uh, in a committed relationship. Uh, guilty pleasure. Uh, every now and then I will binge watch um, some of those like wedding shows like Say Yes to the Dress and uh, 
uh, what's the other one? I think it's like four weddings where like four women basically like compete to see who had the best wedding. And it's kind of weird because I've never been somebody that's like obsessed with getting married or planning a wedding or anything like that. But there's something about those shows like I'll I'll totally just dive into them sometimes. Nice. It's a good one. Um, this is Nina. I'm 40. On the relationship scale, um, I'm probably who knows this week. I mean, like maybe a two. There's some people floating out there, but nothing at all serious. And um, guilty pleasure. I read some books that are like just complete nonsense. Like I guess you would call them beach reads or something. Yeah. Um, but like they're not like full core like romance novels, but like not far off. So um I'll read some of those sometimes. I think that's probably a guilty pleasure. Um nice. late night yeah. <laughs> I think that might be called chick lit as chick- a genre. I enjoy chick lit yeah. as well. Yeah. Yep. By the way, does everybody know that Stacey Abrams writes romance novels under a pseudonym? I just think what? that's oh, fascinating. No? Yes. I did not know that, that at all. Georgia politician. Are you serious? <laughs> that's the wow. one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I haven't read them, but I totally would pick one up and read it because I just think that's so, so interesting. Hello. Yes. Going to be looking that up right after this. Didn't know that. Alrighty. Hi, y'all. This is Nancy. I am. 27 and I am on a scale of zero to 10 relationship status, maybe a 0.5 I'm just coming out of a committed relationship. So uh, that's been that. And uh, <laughs> my guilty pleasure is last night I <laughs> microwaved a chocolate chip cookie and had a matcha latte at one in the morning. <laughs> And I'm not guilty about it, but you know, I don't know. I, I texted some friends about it and I was like, this is what I'm doing right now, living my best life. But uh, you know, if I was actually living with someone, like living, living like intimately with someone, maybe it, I would feel guilty about it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. I love yeah. it. Treat yourself. I love it. That's right. I agree. I agree. Okay, so Today's topic is masturbation, and we're going to start just with the origin story, your origin story when it comes to masturbation. How old were you when you started, and what you know prompted you? I'm curious to hear. Um, I'm really curious to hear the different stories because I think that for women, there's a lot less sort of representation in the media about us touching ourselves versus men and boys. I think it's much more normalized. Like I was sharing before the call, there's lots of movies with like the mom walking in on the boy masturbating. And I've never seen that represented for women or girls. So um, I know I didn't have a lot of sort of role models. It wasn't something that was discussed. And so I feel like I was pretty late to the game, but um, I'm curious to hear from other people. I guess I can start. I'll start. So um, I was 19 years old. I was in college. And I believe I've told this story on the podcast before, but I had been listening to an episode of Love Line where a girl was sharing that her boyfriend couldn't get her off. Something about her boyfriend didn't, like she didn't orgasm with her boyfriend or something. And Dr. Drew said, well, you know, what works for you? How do you get yourself off? And she was like, oh, I don't do that. And there was this like really long pause (laughs) on the show. 
and I think that both both of the men were surprised and then uh eventually one of them I don't remember if it was Dr. Drew or whatever the obnoxious guy's name was but one of them said if you don't know how to get yourself off how do you expect your boyfriend to know how to do it and I remember thinking that that was a really good point that I had literally never considered so I think I think that what I had been socialized to believe was you meet a magical man who has magical powers of sex, <laughs> magical sexual powers, and he has the keys to your body. Mm. And, and therefore, you know, he will be able to give you orgasms if he's good at sex. And I think I kind of internalized that. And so <clears throat> I remember thinking about like, well, shit, I should probably get this handled. Like I've got to figure this out. And so I was like, I'm I'm going to touch myself every night until I figure this out. I was like determined. I'm like ready. So, uh, so before I started, I was like, I think I could use some guidance. And I remember asking a girlfriend of mine who was like a year or two older, not that much older. And, um, I was asking her about it and I was like, I don't really know how to do it. Like, what do you, how, what do you do? And she said, Oh honey, just stick your hand down there and start rubbing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. seems really vague, but whatever. And, uh, fun fact, she actually ended up being a really big time Hollywood writer. So that's, that's cool story. I won't out who she is, but thank you. If you're listening, appreciate the, the, uh, the guidance. So I stuck my hand down there and started rubbing. And I remember on like, probably like night three, like nights one and two, I was like, I don't know. It doesn't really, I don't really feel anything, whatever. And on night three, I remember, I'm pretty sure that I had some kind of orgasm. It was not mind blowing. It was small and everything. But I remember going to the bathroom and being like, okay, nothing came out, right? Like there's, there was no ejaculate. And I was like, I don't even know if, is that like a thing that happens for women? Like I knew, I knew squirting was a thing, but I knew it wasn't a normal thing. And I'm putting air quotes around that. So I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not, you know, where I'm going to start. But I literally didn't even know, do women have something physiological that happens? And looking back on it, I find that really sad. I find it really sad that a pretty educated young woman in this country who went to pretty good schools, and by pretty good schools, what I mean is we did have sex education. We had pretty good sex education at my at my school, like middle school, high school, but I still didn't know about my pleasure. And there's actually mandates around not teaching anything about pleasure in sex education. I don't know if you guys knew that. But in many places, you're not allowed to talk about pleasure. You're not allowed to teach about pleasure if you're going to be teaching sex education. And I think that was a pretty good example of, you know, I didn't even really know about it. And yeah, I guess just looking back, I feel some kind of like, it's not exactly regret, but it's sort of like, wow, it sort of took me thinking, well, if I want to have a boyfriend who can get me off, I should be able to get me off. It's like, that's what it took for me to start touching myself for some reason makes me a little sad. Yeah. That is sad. And I had no idea that you, that schools were not, were not, I mean, of course it completely makes sense given sort of the puritanical roots of, of many of our school systems, but I, I did not know that. That's really interesting. So I think I was probably in my mid twenties when I started masturbating. I had sex. I was like, my first time having sex, I was like 
storybook. Um, I like lost my virginity on senior prom night. So I'd probably been having sex. I don't know, probably like seven years or something before I started masturbating. Um, but I, I had been able to orgasm from sex before this. Um, I think partially because I had very long-term partners, like my college boyfriend for a while. And then my like grad school boyfriend after that. And so those were long-term relationships. So we were exploring enough that I was able to figure it out. But um, I think sex in the city is actually the reason that I started masturbating, which is super crazy. Um, But yeah, I think like the rabbit episode, like all of us started talking about that and started talking about toys. And I definitely, like, I would say that like, I didn't start masturbating without a toy, without a vibrator. I don't know, like maybe my early thirties was the first time that I masturbated without a vibrator. Um, before that, like it was always with a toy. Um, so that's kind of like how I learned. And then honestly, I think the reason I used to travel like tons, tons, tons for work. And I think the only reason that I started masturbating without a toy was because I hadn't brought anything with me and I was really horny in a hotel room and like decided to masturbate without one but like yeah but before that it had always been with a toy that is super interesting and I want to come back to that just in terms of our like use of of toys versus not because I I, yeah I I think that's really interesting sort of part of this equation thank you uh this is Amber I'll go next um so I actually can't remember exactly how old I was. I think it was either near the end of junior year of high school or or start start of senior year. So somewhere around 17, 18. And I was thinking about this and I can't believe that this is true, but I'm pretty sure it is. I remember, so I had started to to kind of hook up with with a guy, a friend. We had a you know mutual crush on each other. And there was a lot of like dry humping action, like basically fully closed, but you know, a lot of a lot of rubbing. And I remember sort of being like, okay, like, I don't know, I don't know what this, I, one, I was horny, but two, I sort of was like, what is the feeling that I'm working towards? Like, what does an orgasm feel like? And I remember finding erotic stories online, but this was late nineties. And so it's not like I could just, you know, read them on my phone. So I think I actually printed out several stories and like took them to bed with me, you know, to try to like, you know, have something to visualize, to have something to to get excited about. Um, similar, similar to Mel's story. I think I definitely, I was like determined. I was like, I'm going to make this happen. So I think I had, I tried like, you know, a few days, a few days in a row. Um, and I remember when it finally happened, um, being like, oh, that's it. Um, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't like the explosion that I thought it was going to be, but it was also like this very, this effort that like, yeah, it just, it wasn't especially like interesting or exciting. It was almost like this task that I was assigning myself. So looking back, I'm not, I'm not particularly surprised that, uh, that uh, I wasn't, it wasn't the best orgasm ever. Um, but interestingly, I actually remember watching Sex in the City and and becoming interested in toys because of those conversations. But I had never I had never used them, and so I think the first time I I actually I actually used a toy was probably years after seeing the episodes. But I felt like I remember thinking like it normalized the use of like this is something that like grown women, definitely single women, that that is commonplace. 
Um, so it's interesting that that when we think about like learning about masturbation and 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 our first times that that we both think of of this show that I guess was was groundbreaking in more ways than I realized. Yeah, I what I what I think is funny about both of our stories is um, yeah that sense of. Like, I'm going to figure this out. This is like a task on my list. And I don't know if that's just because we're both type A or what, or whether it's just different. But when, again, I think about sort of boys and men versus girls and women, I don't think of boys and men as kind of putting it on their list of like, I should figure this out. This is a thing I should know. And therefore I should, I sort of, you know, I, I think of it, I guess, as, oh, boys just grow up doing it. They just know how to do it or they just start young. You know, I think... It's just, yeah, partly represented in the media. I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to check it out with men that I know and everything. But I think there's a perception that men are just kind of brought up. They're just doing it. Like they grow up just masturbating. And I, I think it's interesting that in several of our stories so far, that really hasn't been the same frame for women. Yeah, and I definitely felt kind of behind the times because I was a virgin at the time. I wasn't having sex. And so I kind of felt like I got to solve this mystery that that I, I certainly felt like like all guys my age had already solved. And yeah. I kind of thought that a lot of women had. I don't know because I didn't talk about it with my friends, but I definitely was like, I got to figure out what this is all about. I got to like, this is, it's time. Well, it's so interesting that you said that about not talking about it with friends. Cause I I'm in the same boat. I've almost never talked about masturbation with friends, but we've definitely talked about sex and we've talked about crushes and we've talked about, you know, it seems like there's something about this topic that holds shame in a different way that it, I don't know, it feels a little bit less accessible in some ways. I, what I would add to that though, is I do think that for some reason discussion around toys feels more accessible. Yeah. And it sort of feels like, so I sort of feel like you're separating like masturbation from toys. And for me, those are like the same thing because again, like most of my masturbation is with toys. Um, and so that's something that like I've talked about with my friends plenty, definitely not when we were young. Mm. Um, but again, I didn't start masturbating till I was, you know, older, like well past having sex. Mm. Um, but I think like toys are something we talk about on a regular basis, basis, or like I have a friend who's a single mom who's got a, he's about to be five years old and she hasn't had sex since basically she conceived the child. And I've said to her before, like, do you masturbate or something like that? But a friend of mine has sent all of us this same vibrator. Like she has like bought like 10 of them. Cause it's like the most amazing vibrator ever. Um, but she sent it to all of us and like, it's super open, but yeah, we've never had any, we never had any conversations about it that like didn't involve toys, but I don't separate the two. Yeah. That's like, a good point. It's also interesting because I think for, for men, there isn't the same discussion around toys, right? For men, it's true. like, if you're talking about masturbation, you're talking about your hand on your penis. And for women, there is sort of like, you could be talking about your hand on your clitoris or in your vulva or whatever it is, or you could be talking about toys. And um, yeah, I just, I guess I feel like there, for me, the tone of the conversation feels different if we're talking about our hands versus toys for some reason that I can't quite put my finger on right now. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Amber, I think you were also going to say something. No, I was just going to ask. I'm just curious, Nina, like, 
when you talk about toys with your friends, like, do you only talk about the toy or do you actually talk about like the physical experience? So for example, like I like this because it stimulates my G spot and my orgasm is more powerful. Like, do you get into, cause for me, I think that's one of the differences is that sometimes when toys are talked about, it's, it's less about the actual act of masturbation and it's more about like the tool. Yeah. Well, this particular toy that my friend had sent, um, it's one of those like clitoral sucking vibrators so it has like G spot and um, clitoral stimulation, and she sent it to me. I can't even believe like the poor Amazon people. She sent it to <laughs> me with, like she had recently gone through a breakup, and I had recently gone through a breakup, and she just started sending like basically if you break up with somebody, my friend sends this to you. Um, uh, and the card said like something about like fuck him, and um, this will make you squirt. She said like. <laughs> Literally, that's what she said. She was like, I've never squirted before. This toy will make you squirt. You you will not remember his name. <laughs> so I guess like to that point, um, like she talked about this. And then like we then like went on a girl's trip not too long after that with a bunch of other girls. And on the car, in the car ride, like from the airport, she ordered the other two girls who were on the trip the same vibrator because she was telling them like, the way that it stimulates you is just different than any other vibrator that, that you've had before and blah, blah, blah. So um, it was very specific about how it will make you come. That is a great story for several reasons. <laughs> also, I'm just want to point out, point out that Nans may or may not have just gone through a breakup. So she may be due for one. Get it. <laughs> uh, you can give your friend my number. And it's Christmas <laughs> coming up. It's Christmas and Hanukkah time. So good time for toys. <laughs> Yeah. Something that I wanted to point out is I wonder, like, I'm contemplating on this comment that Mel made around, you know, like, I don't know, why does the conversation around masturbation for women always, like, oftentimes imply that an external apparatus is used, whereas for men it's not? And I think part of it is, like, well, I guess women's, you know, bodies are built different from men and we like, quote unquote, need this thing to incite our pleasure. But do we really need this thing? You know, like this thing that's like vibrator or whatever. That's, that's, I, this is kind of meta, but I, I, I hope people are following here. This thing that's like modeled after, you know, a male part mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. part like that's the only way that we'll mm-hmm. get get pleasure yeah because if we, you know what I'm saying yeah like I I haven't quite put the nail on the head yet either my yeah finger, my finger on it <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that like feels there's I don't something know, there I yeah can't unsettling about it. it is like yeah you know why why does like female pleasure all like oftentimes like imply that it's mm. it's evoked by this mm-hmm. external apparatus as yeah. opposed to our own I don't know our own apparatuses right <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway okay that was meta I don't know if anyone followed that but no I I do think that's probably a big part of it is this idea that like it's almost like yeah exactly as you said this this tool that that you know mimics a penis is required for our pleasure when it's not actually true I also think that's maybe part of the reason why 
when when toys are referred to in you know in shows that it's often dildos it's often and there's often humor around it whereas most people most women i know they tend to use external stimulation right they use like bullets or you know little little basically smaller items that are that are only stimulating their clitoris and i think i think those are talked about less in part because it doesn't it doesn't center the conversation around the penis and around insertion and and that's sort of like the norm of when sex is talked about yeah i want to echo what you just said about external stimulation just to to break that down because what you're talking about is external meaning the clitoris which is like above the vulva it's not near the opening it's above and so external stimulation i think what you're referring to is clitoral stimulation and i would agree that i almost never use penetration in my own pleasure practice it's almost always external sometimes i do but it's it's more rare than just just external stimulation and that's been true for many of the women i've spoken to but like you said Amber, I think when it's represented, and I would just throw out there that a lot of the the shows and movies that we've seen throughout our lives have been written and produced by men. So even conversations about sex and sexuality, Sex and the City was written, the writer's room had a lot of women in it, but that was a big exception at the time. Still true that writer's rooms are mostly not women. So there's a lot in the culture around female sexuality that's not even (laughs) written and produced and directed by women. So I do think that I've seen like so many jokes and so many references to dildos when I'm like, I know very few women who use dildos, actually. I mean, of course there are some, but most of the women I know, you know, you referenced the bullet, um, uh, Amber, which I think just to make that clear, it's a very small vibrator that you can, I had a lipstick I don't know if you guys had it, but I had a lipstick uh, bullet that looked like a lipstick container in my purse. And um, I would use that. And it was completely enough for me because it provided that external stimulation, like you said, on the clitoris. And I don't think that that's really, yeah, I don't know, represented in in the culture. So thanks for speaking to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you were supposed to, if you were like poll men, they they would get the ratios completely wrong. I'm guessing like, how women masturbated and what they used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nance, we didn't hear your first yeah. story. I'll go ahead and share. So I guess I'll take it back maybe even a little further around, not just like origin story around masturbation, but sex in general. You know, this the narrative that, that was served to me when I was a kid was like sex is bad you or you don't want to get pregnant you know um you should only have sex after I don't know if my parents said that but just like just don't get pregnant basically (laughs) which means like don't have sex um so I didn't start masturbating until until after I had sex in my early 20s like maybe 20 21 ish and I think the only reason why I was um I started was because I was like, oh, someone at the time I was dating my first boyfriend who I had lost my virginity to. And I was like, oh, (laughs) like if this person can do this, like I can do this. Right. Like I I don't need the person like this person knows my, their way around my pussy. I I can know my way around my pussy. Exactly. So in a way, like he was very, he was a great sexual partner and he really, you know, cared about me and it was a good relationship and he was very 
open-minded sexually. So I think that definitely um, opened the floodgates. I'm trying to think of sexual innuendos. <laughs> <laughs> For me to, you know, start start trying it on myself. And um, I don't know, is that all? I think that's a good intro. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious since you did bring up being in a relationship uh, and I'm curious to hear that from this, from everyone, did you masturbate when you were in the relationship with him? And did you have any feelings like I shouldn't be, or I shouldn't need to, or like, what was your relationship to masturbation? Like when you were with him? For me, I did but not often because I was, I saw him often. Like we were in college and we lived, he lived down the street from me. So like every time I, almost every time I wanted to have sex or be, you know, just, I was turned on. I I had, it was easy access. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't feel the need to masturbate on my own. Um, as often as I, I don't know, could have, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't, I didn't feel any, I think, shame around doing it on my own. Um, but it's funny because re- what led up, what led up to our breaking up was <laughs> me looking at his laptop and going through his search history to see if he had like watched any porn or whatever. And which opened, uh, it just led down a whole different rabbit hole, but yeah anyway that's a a story for another day but that's all to say that there was like I think some judgment on my part around like what the heck I don't want him to be masturbating while we're in a relationship obviously like I'm I don't have I don't hold that like point of view anymore but at the time I was like yeah 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 almost like well I should be enough or our relationship should be enough. You should be getting it enough here that you shouldn't need it elsewhere. And I think that's a common belief. And I think one that I've internalized of like, when I'm in a relationship, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have to masturbate or I shouldn't. There's something around, I should be, you know, getting this need met with my man. And I guess I just wanted to sort of bring that to light because I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's almost this weird perception of like, Oh, you're in a relationship now. Like that's where all your, that's where all your sexual needs get met. And it's like, I kind of want to challenge that. Like, I don't actually think that's necessarily healthy for either partner or for the couple as a whole of like, no, this can be an, and (laughs) it can be, you can have your own self-pleasure practice and play with your partner. And it can all be symbiotic rather than feeling guilty or bad, or like, I shouldn't be this, I shouldn't need it this much or all of those kinds of things. Any, uh, any thoughts on that, Nina or Amber? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly that I think, um, and, and I, this is something that I, I definitely don't think I, I thought about in my 20s. I think in my 20s, I definitely was in the mindset of, yeah, when you're in a relationship, you have sex and, and masturbation is, is for when you're alone. Um, I think actually, I think about it differently in part because I started using toys and the thing is, is that, that toys can be very quick. Like if you have, you know, I mean, obviously it depends, it depends on the woman. It depends on several factors, but like 
for me, toys could take minutes. And and I actually think it's funny. I'm watching like the 13th or 14th season of Grey's Anatomy right now. And there's a doctor that's studying the effect of orgasms on women's brains and is is kind of trying to convince other practitioners at the hospital of of all the upside of of you know releasing serotonin and, and all the all the good things that get re- released in your brain when you have an orgasm and I really believe that like I will totally be like I don't feel sleepy why don't I do this and then and then and then it'll help me go to sleep or I'm having trouble getting out of bed. Why don't I do this? And then I'll have like a, you know, a shot of a, a shot of good, good hormones flowing and I'll, I'll be ready to start my day. And for me, that's different than having sex, which also includes, you know, intimacy and, and, you know, a lot other, other factors. And, and I think the two can and should go hand in hand. And that might not be right for every couple and everybody in a relationship. Um, but I do think like moving towards normalizing the two experiences existing together is, is a good thing. Have you found that in your, in your relationships, have you been comfortable masturbating even when you're in a relationship? Only in a relationship with really good communication where like, I, I can bring it up. I can talk about it where I can say like, Hey, do you still do this? I do. Um, which has really only been, you know, in, in recent years, I don't mm. think, I don't think I've met anyone where, where they felt like it was totally normal. Like I, I, I've felt like I've had to do a little bit of like pushing of like, that's okay. That's cool. Um, Cause I do think there's a little bit of sense of like, I shouldn't have to, or I shouldn't want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if I'm being honest also, I've been afraid that men would feel threatened that somehow they would think that they weren't enough. If I was masturbating, especially if a toy was involved, um, and I don't know if that's warranted or not, but I think that's a fear that I've had. Yeah, I haven't had that. Well, I think I, well, I've been in a lot of long distance relationships, which I think we've talked about on past episodes. Um, so there, I think like they totally get it just like you would get it like with them. Um, and then I've also like brought the toys into like our sexual experiences so I might masturbate like with you there even though like you're not gonna like penetrate or anything like where you can watch me masturbate and then I almost think it like frees it up for the future so like where I can do it on my own and like you know what that experience is like you've been brought into that I want to say I think that's very cool I think one of the most vulnerable sexual experiences I ever had was a boyfriend who I don't even remember how the conversation was brought up, but I'm pretty sure he brought it up and he was like, it was something like, I would like to know how you do it so that I can be better. Something like that. But it wasn't, it wasn't really that inviting. It's it's hard to describe. It was like that, but less inviting, like, (laughs) like less sweet, if that makes sense. And it was super vulnerable for me. And I had trouble doing it. I did eventually do it, but it was sort of like really extra vulnerable. And I think that's because I was, I was being seen in pleasure that was just mine, right. That wasn't about me servicing the other person or me. Like if I'm, let's say riding a guy and I'm in my pleasure, I feel like there's a certain amount of social acceptability that I feel around that because I'm like, Oh, I'm, you know, he's also getting something out of this or it's fun for him to watch I don't know. I don't know exactly how to put it into words, but if I'm masturbating, it's like, this is about me, like only me and I'm being seen in that. And that felt really scary and vulnerable. So I think that's awesome that you brought 
toys in, especially sort of like the way you said it of like, I'm gonna like, you know, this almost like this is for me and you get to watch not I'm warming myself up so that you can penetrate me. Yeah. I think that like, and maybe this is just like, as I get older and my partners get older, I think that becomes more and more like acceptable. Um, so I think like, as I've gotten older, like I have found that men find it like pleasurable, even if they're not like pleasuring themselves while watching, they just like enjoy watching you get off. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's incredibly seductive and it's incredibly powerful to watch someone being in their pleasure. If you are right with your sexuality, I think Mm -hmm. if you have stuff around your own sexuality or you do feel threatened and there's other stuff going on, maybe that's not as true, but it seems to me like, especially like a woman in her pleasure, it's like, it's exciting. There's a ton of energy there. It's, it's like, it's life affirming. It's, it's, you know, a lot of the, like one of the things that I notice when I, I don't watch porn that often, but I watch it enough to look at the different categories. And there's, there are so many videos of a woman masturbating either with a toy or without a toy. Often it's with a toy, almost always it's with a toy, but those videos are super popular. There's something exciting that I think that, that men like to see a woman in her pleasure. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say that's really inspiring for me to hear because I, I've had this similar experience. What that brought up for me is like, you know, in my, as I've gotten older and into more relationships, like I am not as apprehensive around bringing up topics of, you know, like masturbation and sex and whatever intimacy, all this. Whereas, you know, like in my first relationship with my ex-boyfriend, like I, I was like, what the heck he's watching porn and masturbating. And I don't know about this. I think to my, to my credit, I think he might've lied about it, which is, <laughs> which is why I looked through his lap. His, his. But do you think that he lied about it? Cause he could feel that you would judge him if you told the truth. Maybe perhaps. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, again, I don't hold that perspective anymore, but I've been more like, forthright about bringing up conversations and um (laughs) in my most recent relationship (laughs) my partner wasn't very communicative um even though I'd ask questions or wasn't very like open probably because of his own shame around it but it's it's reassuring to know that you know like I think the older you get the more you know just like the, the more you know yourself, the more you're willing or open-minded to those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I would like plus a thousand to the, to the idea of like, I think it's partly, as you said, Nina, like maturing, but I also think that there's a certain, like, I don't want to say like centering the se- sexual experience around my pleasure, because that feels like more selfish than I think of it as. But to a certain degree, I think that sort of is the case. It's like kind of, we talked about this a little bit when we we're talking about best sex. There's like this idea of um, of the sexual experience being like the man finishing, like that's the that's the finish line you're going towards. And I think that when I started to talk more about like this is this is what I need to get off, this is what I need to to get to orgasm, the sex got much better for both of us. And I'm and I'm speaking about more than one partner, but in my experience, like being able to, to say like, 
let's stay in this position. Like I'm going to get there. Like he, he enjoys it more. Like he, he has a better experience as well. And I think that, and I think that just like Mel and I talked about with like sort of trying to figure that out when we were younger, there is something really, really important and really powerful about like fully understanding what you need to get there and then communicating it with your partner. Absolutely. And I, what I, also kind of want to invite men into is eliciting that from women partners. Cause I think that there's a lot of power in a man saying, I want to know what you like and what works for you. I always want to know. I'm, I'm very open to hearing, you know, kind of putting it into the space and in- inviting her, encouraging her to express herself in every way. And whenever she says something, even if it's like, ah, actually it kind of hurts when we do it this way, like, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And that's really what makes it safe for her to keep expressing is when you elicit and then you say, thank you, or you show her that you're not going to shut down or withdraw or get angry or, or get defensive if she actually does share. And because I think that part of what you're pointing to Amber is that you've gotten more empowered and you have been speaking up more and, you know, going after what you want and, clarifying for your partner. Like, like you said, like, actually I'm going to get there. Like, let's stay in this position. I think it's a great example actually of a concrete thing that if you don't really feel empowered, you're like, Oh, I guess we're doing this other thing now instead of actually like, Oh, let's wait, let's wait here. Um, and I think there are, there are two people in the dynamic. And I think sometimes conversations around sex get to be a little bit like, well, women should just speak up more and women should communicate. And I, I feel a little protective of that. Um, you know, being the dominant narrative, because I think there's so much power in, in men showing up and being like, I want to know, I always want to know, like, how's this pressure, you know, being active sort of participants in helping, helping a woman to express herself even more, helping her to open up even more. I think that men are such a powerful part of the equation in terms of soliciting that you know, from women and not just sort of expecting like women to just be able to, to do it themselves easily from the very beginning. Preach. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Especially. And I think I I got there partly because I matured, but also because I had men that helped empower me that way. Right. So like men that like actually listened when I said, you know, I, I think one of the things is like orgasms can be harder to reach for women. It's easier, I think, for us to sort of like give up and be like, all right, you know, let's let's kind of move on, which sounds so sad when I say it out loud. But I mean, your your example of sort of like, oh, OK, I guess we're doing something different now. Like, that's definitely what I did for mm-hmm. for sure. The first 10 years of my of my sexual life. Yeah, definitely. Right. Cause it's sort of like, well, I don't want to be a bother. Like, I don't want to, you know, well, we've been, you know, he's been going down on me for a while now. Like maybe he's over it or bored or like, I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to, I feel like there's a lot of sort of like, I'm more difficult, right? Like Mm -hmm. it takes me longer. It's, you know, it's more subtle. The movements are more subtle or whatever. And it's easy to be like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. And just kind of discount our pleasure because I really honestly think that's sort of what women are socialized to to do is, you know, especially sexually, if you look at the the frame of something like porn, you know, much of it is, is centered on the man's experience and point of view, literally point of view, like camera angles, like all of that. Um, it's not kind of like, like 
men have very few role models, I guess is what I'm saying in terms of eliciting a woman's experience. There's no one in porn being like, how's that pressure? Like I've, I've never seen a porn video in my entire life where the man is actually asking her anything about her experience. Like I, I can't think of a single one. And so it's, it's not something that, that is men are trained to do. It's a new kind of thing. And same for women. I've never seen a porn video where a woman is like, Oh, let's hang out in this position. Actually, I'm, this is feeling really good. What I will say is that I have um, heard that kind of language in um, audio porn through Dipsy. I don't know if you guys know about the app Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, but it's a woman, um, it's a woman run app that has audio stories, like short, they're like eight to 15 minutes. They're not that long, um, basically erotica. And part of what I appreciate about them is that there are women in those stories that do say what they want. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is new. Like the contrast between that and the porn that I've seen my whole life is like striking. That's really interesting. And think about also the fact that like, you know, our, our experiences at, you know, I would say a little bit later in life ages than probably, well, I would say probably a lot later than most men first mass rate. We still weren't sure how to do it. And so what does that say for men that age trying to figure out how to pleasure us right like if we couldn't we didn't even know the information to know like exactly what where and how to stimulate ourselves like of course 18 year old men don't know that yeah that's a good that's a good point uh I did want to touch on uh back to toys briefly because um I'm interested in this conversation for so I started masturbating with my hands and then I moved to toys mostly, like I said, a bullet, sort of like a small vibrator. And then, um, and then I was probably using vibrators for years, like years and years and years. But then I was reading about how vibrators can actually numb the clitoris. And so I stopped using those kinds of toys because I got, I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't really want to numb out my clit. Like I, like I want there to be able, especially, you know, because in partnered sex, I want to have the sensitivity and I want to be able to feel everything. And I'm curious if you all have had any shifts in terms of your relationship with toys versus your hands, um, you know, over the years, like what have you noticed trends or if anyone's had that, I'm curious if anyone's had a similar, similar journey as me. I'm always scared that it's going to like numb me or something um, that hasn't stopped me from using them. But like if, so like if I'm going through a period, like during COVID early on, like there, I didn't have, I wasn't dating anyone. There was like no sexual experience happening whatsoever. So I was like free for all on the toys. But like, as I've started dating again, you know, here and there, I've like really slowed down on it because I'm just like, like dicks don't vibrate. So, um, at some point I feel like I have to like wean myself off. If I think I'm like getting, like, I've always been like this. If I think I'm getting close to like regularly sleeping with somebody or sleeping with somebody, I like start masturbating with toys much less Mm -hmm. because I'm like, it's not going to feel like that. Like, I feel like that should be the title of the episode. Dicks don't vibrate. I think it's. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nina. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have had a similar experience where I, I actually think that one of the reasons that I didn't get toys for a long while was because I was worried I would be like, 
yeah, like desensitized to, to my own and, and to, you know, any future partners touch. And, and I, and I do think that's true to a certain degree in that, yeah, they just, they, they tend to act faster. I can, I can, I feel like orgasms last longer. Um, so what I, I kind of tend to act similarly, I think as Nina is where, where I'll, I'll use them less if I, if I, you know, am I'm going to have sex or have more sexual activity in myself and I'll, and I'll sort of like interplay. So I'll switch from using a toy to my hands to kind of like lengthen, lengthen the buildup. Um, I actually hadn't read that. So that's interesting. I think it would be interesting to do a bit of an experiment of like a, you know, a toy break and see, see if there was a perceptible difference in, in sensitivity. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, because I, I feel like that's just natural, like somewhere where you have that many nerve endings yeah. concentrated, you know, if you're, if you're using something, you know, that vibrates where, where, you know, maybe as you said, dicks don't, your fingers don't like where, where it wouldn't be naturally occurring. It makes sense that it, that it would sort of like dull those, those senses of it. Hands all day. <laughs> that's great. I, I have also, I guess just a shout out because what I ended up uh, switching to not sw- I don't know about switching to I don't remember the order of operations but um I I now have a glass dildo which um I rarely use like I said for penetration but I really like the sort of like sensuality of it like if you use coconut oil with glass it like it slides it's like really pleasurable to have another sort of like stimulation thing but it doesn't vibrate right it's not the same um like you said, uh, I don't know, pressure on all of those nerve endings. Right. And so it's extremely concentrated. Um, so anyway, I guess I just sort of wanted to also mention like there's sort of a middle ground there too, of toys that don't necessarily vibrate, but it's still just sort of, you know, pleasurable. Um, so we're going to start to wrap up here and I'm wondering if anyone has anything sort of to add in terms of, you know, supporting you know because this podcast is for men like ways that men can support women in going after their pleasure I I think honestly the biggest for me is like listening and observing you know so so just like you were you were kind of speaking to before Mel um yeah asking questions uh I've actually heard of Dipsy I think I may have even like done a trial or something but I forgot about it um so I love that idea of like there, there are ways where where you can learn out, outside of relationships about pleasuring women and how they seek pleasure. Um, and then, like I said, following through. So that idea of like, um, you know, figuring out like what, what feels good for your, for your woman and, and helping her, helping her get there. And that doesn't mean like asking a million questions all the time. Sometimes it should be observing her, observing her face, observing the noises she makes, um, I know I feel like a lot of women, um, you know, maybe exaggerate their noises, but typically if you're, if you're like really feeling pleasure, like you can tell the difference and you can tell if it changes, you know, so I've had experiences where I'm, you know, making noises that, that are very clearly in a lot of pleasure and then, and then they switch it up for whatever reason. And I, and I stop or I get quieter and, and there's a reason for that. Um, so I think that's the the biggest piece of advice I'd give. Thank you. That's good. I guess I, I'll just reiterate that. Um, I like that. Again, I mentioned earlier that in this past relationship, I was driving a lot of the conversation around sex and intimacy. And while, you know, 
there's no reason why I shouldn't. And it did, you know, it was informative for me and yeah, I'm all for, you know, women empowerment and, and, you know, leading the conversation. It just, I think that in part that in conjunction with the fact that my questions weren't like my partner wasn't very communicative or forthright or honest with me, um, was disappointing, uh, quite frankly. And so it would have helped me to have a partner who does ask questions, who is curious and similar to what Amber, Amber said, you know, not necessarily like asking a million questions, but observing, noticing, um, yeah, that would have, and prior, prioritizing your women's pleasure. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that my, my dream is to be with a man who is like holding space and who is leading the conversations around sexuality and Mm -hmm. inviting me into a space where I can open. Um, I would love that. Like I would love to not have to lead there and that it was like a space I could step into. And he was like, I really want, you know, your pleasure is important to me. It's really important to me. And I want it to be awesome. And not just with me, just in general, like I'm a huge supporter of that. And I always want to know Nina, anything to add before we wrap? I don't think so. I mean, I, I really think you guys covered it. So, no. <laughs> awesome. I will say, I know the advice was for men, but I, I'm really impressed with Nina's friend. I gotta say, like, if we could enable more conversations and more gifting like that among <laughs> women, I think that would be really awesome. We've yeah. got to get her Nancy's address. Yeah. <laughs> line for, for one of these, maybe, maybe to use sparingly, who knows, but definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely uh, sparingly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey guys, happy new year. One of my intentions for the new year is to incorporate more of you and your experiences into the podcast. So if you haven't yet heard, I have something called the Big Sexy Data Set, which is the conglomeration of all of my listeners and clients and anyone else who wants to be involved in my sex research. If you're interested in joining the Big Sexy Data Set, just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and say, add me to the Big Sexy Data Set. And every once in a while, it's going to be more frequent in 2021, I will send out a survey about something with respect to sex, dating, or relationships, and then I will craft an episode around that. I have a really cool idea for one coming up. So if you can, please join. I would love to have you. Again, just email me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com and just say, add me to the big sexy data set. All survey responses are kept anonymous and confidential.